Welcome to another episode of Crypto Sense Podcast. This is Carlton CO2 Owens. We are back. We are back. Get Money Monday. That's what we on today. First, I want to thank our sponsors. CoinSeed is the app that allows you to invest in cryptocurrency by using your pocket change. Make sure you go over to the show notes and you can grab the link and download that app and you're ready to go. Encrypted Apparel is a clothing line that allows you to express your love, your passion for cryptocurrency. Also make sure you go over to wearencrypted.com. That's W-E-A-R encrypted.com. Alright? So look, um, if you if you listen to the Thursday and the Friday show, um, I mentioned that I had an opportunity to do an interview. I was having some technical difficulties uploading. It was supposed to be the Friday show, but I had some technical difficulties uploading. Um, I was able to sort everything out, and now we should be all set for that. So I had an opportunity to interview a, um, a very, very cool group. It's an investment group, actually. They're an investment and consulting group. Um, the gentleman's name is Christian. Really, really cool guy. Very knowledgeable. And essentially what they do is they invest and consult um, project developers who are looking to do ICOs. And um, the interesting thing, too, the thing that I really like about what they're doing is not only not only were they doing the investment side, but they were also helping a lot of um, ICOs or would-be ICOs just figure out exactly how to launch and was doing a lot of things to try to help um, that particular client get their tools together so they can be able to actually do the ICO. So the name of the, the the group or the company is Sustaining. I, I think I'm pronouncing it right. S U S T A N Y. Sustaining. Sustaining capital. And so the next voices that you're going to hear are going to be myself and Christian. The with some of the technical difficulties that we had, the the audio quality is not the best. Um, but you should be able to follow. We had a, a slight interruption in the interview, so you'll you hear the part one and you'll also hear the part two of the interview. It's going to be split up a little bit, but the flow of the conversation still goes on pretty smoothly. So bear with us. I apologize in advance for having those little difficulties, but all in all, a fantastic interview. After the interview, I'll do a quick roundup. And uh, just give you my take. All right, so hold tight. Yeah, I just want to first thank you for you know taking the interview because I know you guys are so busy over there, and you're, you're doing some amazing things. I had a chance to, you know, really look at just the nuts and bolts of what you're doing. So I guess the first thing would be just to uh, just do an introduction in terms of what you're doing and 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 um, you know how you're making a you know difference in the space. Sure. So my business partner and I came together under 
this brand Sustany Capital at the beginning of the year. We're both very, very active in the blockchain space uh, from the very early days. He mostly on the investing and trading side, me mm-hmm. mostly on the educating and operating side. And so um, when we came together, we realized we were very complementing skill sets and also we're both set on building a team around us. So now we have a full-time team of eight here. And so there's two things to our business. So we manage our own private venture fund at this moment in time. So using all the traditional investing fundamentals that we have been using for decades. I'm a lawyer by training back from the old world, as you can tell by my accent. I was general counsel for a large internet service provider during the dot-com days. We were lucky enough to sell this in 2000, which allowed me then to join a venture fund in Southern California in the early 2000s, and we were doing peer-to-peer stuff back then and online wow. worlds at, the, at that time. So I've been exposed to that idea of virtual currency since 1999 when we had an exchange rate from the EverQuest currency to the US dollar already. Mm. So that's kind of a very old theme, but was always fascinating to me and philosophy wise it's for me it's mostly about actually building the internet for the first time because my contention is that we didn't end up building the internet um, or World Wide Web. We ended up building the commercial web. It's highly decentralized. You get a couple of entities providing access, a couple of entities controlling uh, the content and content distribution on top of it. Right? So anyway, so going back to um, what we do as a team, so uh, we focus on long-term investments. Um, means we typically look two, four years down the road of where this technology is going. So we're, we're not part of the speculating crowd. And so we have been deliberately working on a fund to enable limited partners to get into this space. And we started this back in January. But it's not as easy as you would think because, I mean, there's a lot of um, entities out there that claim to be hedge funds, hedge funds at this point, moment in time. But the reality is, um, there aren't really the tools available that a hedge fund would need, right? So a hedge fund deals with a limited number of liquid assets, and uh, and there's very few in the space right now, and um, you don't have the hedging tools for the most of those assets at this moment in time, and uh, there's really no pairs to be had much for shortening any positions for that matter that only pertains to like a handful of assets of that. So that doesn't make for a very good portfolio strategy. And um, to some extent, it's also probably not the right term to call this a new asset class, if you will, because some of these assets that are being introduced are just derivatives of existing assets that have existed. That, you know what? That That's a really, really good point that you make because and one of the things that I really wanted to ask you about was, you know, because I've seen now there seems to be an opportunity in the market where if you have just an idea for a business that would have normally gone the traditional route, so maybe doing angel investing, um, angel investor, then bridge capital, then maybe venture capital, um, but now you're seeing businesses kind of using the cryptocurrency slash blockchain platform to raise capital. And so I guess my question is how, you know, how do, how, how would you evaluate or how, you know, what's your, what's your approach when it comes to looking at, you know, companies that are just kind of taking advantage of the hype really. And 
trying to get funding that way, especially since you're funding, you know, primarily, you know, blockchain technology, the blockchain-based businesses. Right. And so, yeah, we get pitched about 100 times a month. Uh, there's currently 1,700 to 1,800 ICOs in the pipeline, and about as many have been completed over the past um, two, three years. Um, and we just take the traditional venture approach to that. It means we're looking at the typical fundamentals. We're looking at the technology, at the team, and at the space of the market. I mean, um, in investing, it always comes down to two, two things, right? Um, the first one is um, timing, and the second one is timing. So, but timing on one level refers to, hey, when do you put money in and when do you need it out, right? So in our case, uh, when we put it in, we don't expect to take it out for another two to five years. So that makes a huge difference, obviously, if, if you depend on whatever money you uh, apply to an ICO and you're speculating um, on the fact that this particular coin or token gets listed on an exchange in a certain period of time and then you make a multiple and you'll take it out at that point in time. So that's typically uh, actually never what we are looking for. So if that's your approach, you're, you're really a speculator, you're not an investor. And the other part to this is in terms of timing is you want to understand where the space overall is at this particular point in time. And what, what I mean by that is uh, right now, blockchains, as you know, are very nascent, right? So we've got one blockchain that's sort of proven, which is Bitcoin, which has at this particular point in time a very specific utility. Most people con consider it, as you know, to be virtual gold. And that might change because of its open source nature. But regardless, most of the other protocols out there, they're like two at best years old in the case of Ethereum and then got some of the larger ones like EOS that just came out of testnet and is battling with all the initial dealings that um, mm -hmm. a theoretical system has to deal with once it's coming out of the lab. And so knowing that, um, we at least take the approach and I would caution anybody approaching this particular topic as well as if you want to invest into an application that's depending on the protocol that's building its infancies you're introducing what we call another miracle, right? So mm -hmm. um, what we are looking for is any investment shouldn't require more than one miracle. And so one of those miracles would be, hey, the underlying platform actually will stand the test of time and doesn't um, falter under the onslaught of traffic, for example. And I'm the most predominant blockchain right now that's used for most of the ICOs, obviously, is the Ethereum blockchain, and if you understand the fundamentals, you know that A, it's pretty slow, and B, it's pretty, pretty costly to do anything. So what we encountered a lot last year, listening to a lot of pitches, there were teams that were proposing to build an application on top of that blockchain that clearly didn't understand the, those fundamentals. They didn't understand mm -hmm. that every time uh, you need to write something to a block, it costs you something, and it takes it a certain time. So if, uh, a lot of these examples include like, secure data distribution, right? So for privacy and whatnot. But if you then start distributing this data, writing it to different blocks, and for every transaction, you have to pay 15 cents, which is not unusual, and it goes up as high as 94 cents, depending on if there's a new CryptoKitty instance. Right. And then this will, will kill your application from the get-go. So, um, and this reaches down to in doing your due diligence on the team. Does the the team that's involved understand those fundamentals? And so we have been in this topic for such a long time, and we're running the local uh, meetup groups that 
now have 1,500 members in the space that we are aware of all of those pitfalls on the different chains. Right. And, and I imagine, now, right. Yeah. And, I, and I imagine, not to cut you off, but I imagine team is key because if you have the right team that knows the technology, knows these nuances, that really cuts down on a lot of the the errors that these concept developers are are just coming up with ideas, but they they just don't know the, 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 that. Like you know, in your earlier in your earlier example, you you mentioned you know they didn't factor in that there was a cost for every transaction, or if they did know that that it was a cost, they didn't know how much. So if you have the right team, you're able to really kind of cut through a lot of the um, a lot of the mistakes that would typically happen if you didn't know. Yeah, and so to that extent, we have been allocated to all the large um, protocols from like the beginning of the Ethereum ICO. So we know those teams, and we know the teams that are trying to build something on top of it. So that's part of what we do on a daily basis: talk to both of those teams, introducing them to each other, so they can work better together. And that has been a whole for quite some time, right? So people um, and teams develop something in isolation. So when we decide that we, let's say, underwrite an ICO, we underwrite about 10 ICOs per year, which means uh, we guide them through the process. Um, then we initially do an education on that space, and we also um, analyze every existing project and Looking at any particular um, team and project, um, what we do is we're looking at the entire space. So one of the areas that we have been focused on for some time is to find the right identity solution, right? And there's like a dozen projects on the way in the space. And we looked at every single one of them and looked at the pitfalls. And we're also talking to all the different um, large groups, i.e. the United Nations, ID2020, etc., where we are involved to see um, and get their opinion. And so this is an interesting space because, A, there's a billion people that don't have an identity at this moment, almost a billion. And um, blockchain could and most likely will offer a solution for that. But then there's also like a billion people that had their identity stolen, right? And so Blockchain offers a very unique solution to that that will then transcend to a lot of other applications in this space. As you can imagine, if you have a tool where you can finally take control of your own identity in terms of all the different data components associated to that, not only last name, first name, but whatever credit history you might have, whatever credentials you might have, um, then it would um, make a lot of sense to attach digital wallet to, to that and then transmit the necessary data that are required for any given transaction. Might that be your typical KYC or might it be the data that you want your physician to have? Wow. Uh, so identity is very much, in our opinion, at the center of what blockchain can provide as a solution. And you're probably familiar with the um, European regulations that have been introduced and became uh, effect last month to the general data protection rights, which makes it possible for every uh, member of the European Union to ask any business worldwide to A, tell him or her anything 
about their personal data that has been stored on that particular network. Mm. And then secondary, it also allows you to have that erased. And you need to be able to do that, right? So there's a lot of things you need to think through that has an effect on every business and every government agency worldwide. And our expectation internally is that the standard will basically have to be adopted by companies worldwide. So, 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 you know, I've heard this description said a few times, but I just wanted to get your your take on it. Would you compare blockchain technology that we're seeing in all the various solutions that is providing to, you know, just common problems and more complex problems? Would you look at that and as an example of uh, what I've heard is um, the new internet or it's kind of, I guess if I can allude to what you said earlier is that, you know, the internet and, and how it was built or how it's, 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 it currently is, it just has, you know, a few flaws and problems that causes issues around security. So do you think blockchain at some point in time will just merge fully into the internet or be the new internet per se? Or how do you see that, you know, from the blockchain side? Right. So um, this comparison has been made a lot, but I'll, I'll, I'll elaborate on it. I mean, blockchain is a protocol in, in one sense or the other, and the Internet is built on certain protocols, right? The Internet protocol specifically, and then there's other protocol that supplemental it. So you got the secure socket layers, you got voice over IP, which yes. is built on SIP and so forth. And so a lot of people have rightfully pointed out that Specifically, Bitcoin is the first implementation of money over IP. The main um, criteria there that is this is peer-to-peer, -peer, so there's no middleman needed, which was the initial idea of most of the Internet Protocol-related implementations. And that was also the initial idea, by the way, uh, of Tim Berners-Lee when he coded HTML. It was a, meant to be a peer-to-peer -peer system where specifically researchers were exchanging information at CERN, the European Nuclear Research Facility, in order to facilitate the experiments surrounding the Large Hadron Collider. And so this has never evolved, in my opinion, to the World Wide Web, but it just created the commercial web. So what we have now, we have an opportunity with blockchain to actually build the World Wide Web for the first time. Oh, wow. So there's really no such thing as Internet 2.0 or 3.0, if you think about this. Look at any source code on any website. What you will see is basically what Tim Berners-Lee wrote in his time at CERN. Take HTML out of the World Wide Web and it ceases to exist. And so he realized really quickly and then tried to mitigate this that, hey, I forgot tagging, so specifically like creating semantic web structures to avoid what we're having now where you have a separate entity that's become a, a, a monopoly that can run algorithms on this insufficient code to then inject their own advertising interests. So essentially we allow the commercial entity to more or less take hold of the World Wide Web by filtering it to Wow, wow. That's, yeah, yeah, that's an amazing um, breakdown because I was always kind of curious you know how it has to be decentralized to be actually useful to the individual rather than mostly for one entity mm. wow wow that's incredible so um so with over 100 pitches that you're seeing over the course of time 
I would imagine it just gets like, I don't want to say just overcumbersome, but do you see a trend in a lot of the pitches that you're getting? Um, and, you know, how are you all, um, how how are you kind of compartmentalizing, I guess you could say compartmentalizing yeah. everything, you know? Yeah, so one thing that we're trying to do is provide feedback regardless of um, whether we allocate to this project or not. What I mean by that is we developed a lot of criteria what we think is important for a project to succeed long term. Mm -hmm. So if you don't find those criteria, we provide that feedback, right? So we give you a laundry list and say, hey, uh, we like these and these elements of your project, but you're still missing all of these things. And um, let's work backwards from where you're trying to go, which is most what most people project actually miss to do because if one of your um, central points is, hey, eventually I want to list this new token I'm creating at an exchange, well, then start what the exchanges require, right? And the, actually, if you look at their metrics, you'll find they are not too dissimilar from what a venture investor will look at. So they are looking at, at teams and demand and so forth because they themselves obviously, A, don't want to get in trouble if you're looking at the United States exchanges in, in particular. Most people don't realize at small exchanges such as GDAX only list four and soon five assets. It's like nothing, right? There's 1,500 tokens out there, but they're listing four or five. And that's because they take the stance that most of those tokens are security under the United States uh, regulatory bodies. Well, while this is largely unimportant in an international context, still those exchanges uh, overseas also want to see a certain utility for their own user base. Sure, they publish sure. those. You can't yeah. just go back and say, hey, if you want to be listed here, these are the criteria we are looking for, and then typically they also want to get paid. Sure, sure. And so, so we take those criteria, but then a lot more, and then we'll get back to the teams, let them know, okay, if you fulfill those criteria, come back. So we keep a large database, uh, with everybody that we talked to, all the projects that we gotten involved with, we have uh, a separate analyst that does nothing but go through our index system. So we have a separate index system that already reads out the most necessary criteria. People just stop filling it out because I realize, oh, I don't have a good answer for that. So let me go back and uh, start drafting a useful answer for this particular question that these guys want to hear. And so to that extent, um, We'll also be sponsoring one of the next big, big events and then introduce those concepts in kind of a judges panel and create a contest ahead of time to bring more education to the space. Because as you rightfully pointed out, there's a lot of noise, but not a lot of education or guidelines that are being given for that. Well, you know, the thing that's, um, the thing that I really like of what you guys are doing in particularly is that you're not just bringing people in and just sending them back out and say, oh, well, you know, you're not going to be able to qualify or this is not what we're looking for, but you're empowering those same platform developers to say, okay, these are the things that you need. Let us help you be able to figure out all these little fine fine too for very detailed things that you probably just glossed over and so um and that is good because you know we're really in a new frontier when it comes to blockchain and cryptocurrency and 
one of the things that I focus on the show is just trying to demystify this process of what cryptocurrency is and blockchain and how you know people understand the value of it, but they don't truly understand all of the details and all the things that go along with that. So it's refreshing that you all are doing something that is not just adding the value through investment, but you're also adding value with helping, you know, coin developers um, figure out exactly what they need to be doing. So that's fantastic. Um, the other thing too, Christian, is um, so, I mean, looking at everything, because you had so many years just in the tech space and you're seeing this, this wave happening with blockchain, where do you see things, you know, if you had a crystal ball five to 10 years from now, where where do you see this industry going? And will some of this steam kind of level off and maybe, com you know, companies and platforms will maybe dwindle away and then they'll be just leaders in certain industries? Or you know, how do you see the world through through the lens of the blockchain technology? Right. I think. Yeah, so to me, blockchain is first and foremost a paradigm shift. And so what I mean by that is um, that right now what we have, we have this slew of for-profit corporations, right? And I think it has been pointed out a lot, but still not enough, is that these for-profit corporations created a lot of the problems that we are facing as a society today. So what I mean by that is so not only... Do you, have, do you see a lot of the environmental problems that we created that were based on the fact that some entity is just out for profit and neglects to mitigate whatever side effects, whatever externality it creates, i.e. in the form of the pollution of air, land, water, you have it, but then also the pollution of mines, right? So that's, that has finally come, come forward with like um, the exposure of Facebook's use of data. Yes. Yeah. Um, breaches of databases such as Aquifax, etc. And so what I see in this space is that when people wake up to these problems that for-profit corporations create, they realize that those organizations that we already have that we kind of ignore at the moment, such as Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a decentralized autonomous organization, right? It doesn't have an owner. You become owner, partial owner and stakeholder mostly of that particular organization by simply buying some Bitcoin. And this holds true for the truly decentralized mechanisms that we have out there as well. So mainly um, Dash and Ethereum and EOS mm -hmm. to an extent. But the larger paradigm here is if you deliberately start setting these things up, what you can do is you can create what I would call for-purpose corporations or for-purpose organizations. What I mean by that is, so look at the typical example being Google. Google claims to be a search engine, but it's obviously not, right? Because 86% of um, its revenue and like 99% of its profits are coming from selling advertising, from having people click on little links on those search results. So they can't build a better search engine. Means uh, if that hampers their business, right now they make a couple billion dollars per quarter on doing that. If you want to provide a better search engine, it's relatively simple between the two of us, right? You strip out everything that has commercial intent and you get better results, right? So if I take all the ads 
away and everything that's um, just SEO copy, then I typically will get a better results by several orders of magnitude. However, that's obviously impeding on, on Google's bottom line. So being a for-profit company, they can't do that. Uh, think about a different example if you have a decentralized autonomous organization where you assign the purpose of providing great search results to the individual users and make, you still can make profit but make it secondary, then you can immediately provide a much better product to the then if your overriding purpose is driven by making profit, then making profit is almost excludes in many ways yeah. providing yeah. a better service or a better pro product. And so the other example to make it maybe more tangible is if I buy a self-driving car, and we all, I think, expect at this point in time that self-driving cars gonna be, uh, will be the future and most people will just sit in the back and no one will actually driving this car anymore. You could assign those to a decentralized autonomous organization and say, hey, yeah, I want you to make profit, but your main purpose is provide the cheapest ride to underprivileged in a certain area and multiply. So it's going to be very hard for other transport providers to compete with this paradigm, right? Because they have to compete on profit and this entity is just out for providing a better service at mm. a cheaper price because it doesn't have the for-profit motive. It's no, none of the shareholders are in it to mostly make profit. Their objective is to make the world a better place and just um, provide a better service to a certain group. So that's where I see this go overall. And it's going to start mostly in my mind with the developing nations rather than the developed nations because yes. this comes back to if I don't have an identity today, right, I can't participate in most commercial activities. Right, so the starting point will be there, but then once I have that and I have a digital wallet, well, I'd probably never set foot into a bank. And so, in that same sense, those people in developed nations, where developing nations where you are right now, might actually leapfrog developed nations that have to deal with technology debt, like banking legacies and ACH that they're still supporting with billions of dollars each year in the United States for no particular reason. Then sending money should be the same as sending an email. I mean, you don't stand on sending Absolutely. Absolutely. We, um, the connection is not the best, but, um, I, I, I just want to, um, just wanted to kind of just wrap up things and and before we get off the phone with one another we definitely want to get you back on the show for an update on things and um for the listeners where can they go to learn more about what you guys are doing and uh just stay you know tuned in to what you um have going on in the future yeah, I don't think it's mostly about what we are doing. Um, it's mostly about what the community at large is doing. And to that extent, the most thing that anybody can do is join a local meetup group and talk to the technologist. But then also start to read critically what you find online. So we'll, we'll try to provide some filtering and education in that space. So to the extent we work with all the universities in Southern California, like UCI, UCR, USC, et cetera, and trying to promote courses at the same time trying to bring education to the in individual teams because 
unfortunately in the space, as you probably know, there's a lot of hype and a lot yes. of marketing copy and not a lot of educational copy. And we don't really have anything to pitch, right? It's the other way around. We are getting pitched to, to participate. So we will curate content as we get it and provide feedback and we're always happy to provide feedback on, on any project. So yeah. go to our website. There's not, there's really not much there. I mean, the typical venture capital fund in that extent. We have a services side where we, we help teams out and so we'll provide some content there. But I encourage you to maybe start if the, like this ICO um, theme is something that you want to approach start in the reverse, start with the exchanges, what they will be looking for, if that's your end goal, check off the bullet points there and then talk to us. I mean, we can also provide you with that, but I think the practical approach is always the best. Get involved in a small way, right? Yes. Buy your first couple of coins, buy your first couple of tokens, try to participate in an ICO if you can, get some practical experience, uh, just use a few bucks and this way, it's going to be much easier for you to understand all those technical terms that are still floating around that even the people that use it on a daily basis don't still really understand because they're still being defined, like what is actually a blockchain, what is a distributed ledger, what's a token, what's a coin. 99% um, of the time, really, when I talk to people, they're not quite using it correctly because I never spent the time to actually get involved and understand the nuts and bolts. So start there. Start, start with the nuts and bolts. There's a couple of really good books out there. Like I, I like Digital Gold, for example, which kind of goes into the history. If you're excited about that, um, go into that. And then again, expose yourself to the technology and then start to talking to the technologist and just uh, hold a stake in it, right? Get whatever many Bitcoins you, you feel comfortable holding without endangering your livelihood and then look at some of the other projects that got more attention and just stop playing with it because it's definitely the future and as many have pointed out, many times at this point in time in the dial-up stages right and eventually this is going to become the plumbing and no one's going to care about the actual terms anymore and everybody's just going to start using applications building on top of it but the earlier you get involved the more likely you are to draw actual practical conclusions for your own life and or your own business at this point in time if your business is not looking at the space, you're putting yourself in danger. What I mean by that is if you should be using either blockchain or you should be using a token, you need to start thinking about this now because chances are if you're dealing with a lot of legacy technology and or middlemen that you're paying for on a daily basis that your competitor is already working on eliminating. And on the other hand, if you are in venture funding, if you're an investment manager, if you don't have a small percentage at least of uh, your assets under management in this space, you're missing out, right? Yes. It definitely provides the highest return by several orders of magnitude and will do so again um, over the next year or two at least and probably longer because um, there is really no blockchain vertical. People misunderstand this. It's the same if you go back in time to the internet. There were internet businesses. We don't look at the space anymore, right, in that in this particular term. So verticals exist alongside the internet. The internet and what are tools to those businesses. And so are tokens and so is the blockchain. Blockchain, they, they are tools that people need to understand and use. 
the earlier you do, the better off you will be. And so to that extent, on the services side, what we're mostly actually looking for is existing businesses approaching us and asking us simply, hey, can you tell us how this has an impact uh, for our own business? Because yeah. the startup space yeah, mostly introduces yet another miracle that's needed, right? You still need to build something, whereas if you already have a business and you move towards that, at least you have some solid fundamentals that speak to your existing technologies, your existing client base, et cetera. Mm, absolutely. Well, Christian, look, thank you so much for just taking the time out. I mean, just the knowledge that you have blessed us with today in our audience has just been immense, and we are truly thankful for it. And we look forward to continuing to follow what you all are doing and in, in, in helping people and companies figure this thing out called blockchain and um we definitely definitely want to get you back on the show you know um in in the future and just do some updates but thank you once again and i'll make sure to put all of your your um your suggestions in our show notes for the audience to be able to to digest and look at some of the the resources that you mentioned and uh i look forward to the next time christian same here. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Talk soon. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye-bye. Wow. I mean, the interview was so jam-packed. He was dropping so many jewels. Really, really high-level, very high-level dialogue and conversation. I mean, just listen to him talk about his history and experience in just the tech field, Silicon Valley scene. And how that all kind of translates and connects with what's happening with cryptocurrency now and some of the things you've seen previously. It's it was very enlightening to have him on the show. You know, I want to thank him once again for coming on. Uh, definitely a high level, um, high level interview. And we definitely want to get him back on the show. And also make sure you go over to their website. They also have some blogs that they come out with from time to time regarding how to um, launch ICOs and things you need to need to look at when it comes to ICOs. So I'll make sure to include all that in the show notes as well. Um, once again, thank you uh, to our sponsors, CoinSeed and Encrypted Apparel, as well as... Um, Make sure you guys follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram, and um, check us out on some of the YouTube replays and CastBox, which is the number one, the new number one podcast uh, provider in the game at the moment. Seems like more and more coming out every day. So if you listening to us via um, CastBox, make sure you you like and subscribe and review, and also with iTunes and Google Play. So come, um, come check out the show tomorrow. I'm not sure what we're going to wrap about. I think we're going to dive a little bit more into you know, some of the current events. Also, I'm going to give you a little bit of a recap on how I've been doing with the crypto trading. Uh, I know I've been pretty quiet about that in the past couple of days, but I'm going to make sure to just let you know what I'm doing um, with the crypto trading and also 
show you some positions that I'm going to probably get into um, during the week. Well, especially if I get the alerts for it. But nevertheless, um, thank you so much for tuning in and look forward to talking with you on Tuesday. Holla back.